right, welcome to another episode of Staying in Trouble. Like always, this podcast is brought to us and supported by Rooftop Realty. Go to VegasRooftop.com and be able to get all of your real estate needs taken care of. Whatever it may be, even if you have questions, hit them up. They will answer all the questions that you need. So go to VegasRooftop.com and give Eric or any of his staff a call and they will help you with whatever you need. Now you've heard me before talking about blue coolers. If you haven't gone to bluecoolers.com, you really need to go check them out. They got all kinds of wonderful things. Well, not everything. They have coolers. They have tumblers. Things of that nature. You're looking for a good cooler. You're looking for a sturdy, strong type of cooler. Go check them out. Summertime's coming. It is getting hot out there. And if you're planning a vacation, you're going to go camping, go hit up Blue Coolers before this summer. Spend some of that stimulus money and go get yourself a nice cooler. You will not regret it when you're out camping, keeping your goods nice and cool. So go to bluecoolers.com and go check them out. All right. Welcome back. We are going to get into episode two, our interview with Lance Bonney, about finances, about that money, and trying to take care of it, educating ourselves, and the importance of saving. We're going to get into a little bit more of what's going on in the economy today and how someone today can can put that money away, and how important it is for an average Joe like myself, do we need a financial advisor? So anyways, Lance is going to get into all those wonderful questions here in part two, and we're going to we're going to talk a little bit more about it. So if you tuned in to part one, here's an extension. Here's part two, and we hope you enjoy this interview and uh, get a lot out of it. So uh, enjoy part two. Sometimes you're flush and sometimes you're bust, and when you're up, it's never as good as it seems, and when you're down, you never think you're going to be up again. But life goes on. Remember that. Money isn't real, George. It doesn't matter. It only seems like it does. But going back to... But saving money is a little bit different. Well, yeah, yeah. I have food storage, and the number 10 can in my garage sounds gross to me. If money looked gross to me, then I would never touch it. It's, It's still, you know, like... That's the hardest thing for me to save is because even though that it's in an account and I, I always know it's there. I mean, everyone's like, oh, well, just forget about it. Uh, you deserve it too. Or use the line. Oh, you, come know what? On. you know what, Adam? You've worked so hard. You put in so much overtime. You deserve a little break. And that's what I was so saying earlier ex- is Americans, I, they can't look at that fund and not think. Oh, yeah. Oh, you I know what? I'll just siphon a little bit off. It's the subjectivity. Yeah. That's, and, and you identified that earlier with the tires remark. It's the subjectivity. If, yeah. if you introduce subjectivity into what the goal is, then you're not being honest with yourself. So, in truth. So to expand on that question, what, what are your suggestions on building and keeping a three-month saving, financial savings? Probably the first thing that I would say is you need to identify what your budget is. And I love your comment before, and you said the same thing. It's not being taught. It's no. simply not being no. taught. Um, when I was doing my finance and economics courses in college, 
we never talked about balancing a checkbook. That was not it. We were talking algorithms, micro, macroeconomics, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. It was not about basic family you know, economics, yeah. the finances, if you would. Now, I know that some colleges, I think the vast majority of colleges have this, but I don't think it's being taught in high school. And I think that's really the garden bed of where things should be germinating, these ideas, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's hard. Like, I, I work with a lot of youth. And so going back to, like, I have a nephew right now who's going to have twin babies in three weeks. And I just pull my hair out because... We're like, we need you to get a career. We need you're gonna have you're gonna be a father of two, brother. You are way behind the curve. And then I've got someone who works for me who's the same age, who owns two homes and is making six figures. But I think another thing, another silver lining about the COVID, and you talked about it, was that question of, you know, what is necessary? Because I think a lot going back to, I think that's the hardest question to answer is, what is my budget? Because when you're filling out the budget, you know, Adam was just talking about his number 10 cans, right? Well, now we know he should be going through those at least once a year. What's he doing? He's like, you know what? I would, I just got a coupon for Sonic. Kids, hop in. All the wacky yeah, packs right. are half off right now. We're gonna go spend our our. We're gonna go spend twenty two dollars at Sonic, and get uh, Eric a cherry uh, a, a cherry Coke Zero, Route forty four because it's half off and he deserves it. But little things like that, I think that's actually the silver lining in this COVID thing is stay at home, cook your meal. Oh my goodness. Look how much money I saved yeah. this this month. I think we're going to look back and see outside of the the 2020 you know, run on toilet paper, the year of the toilet paper, yeah, right? Right, right. Um, that hopefully the family relationships are improved upon. But I, I totally agree. And to get back to what your, your question was earlier, is once you identify at least some structure, some type of a, of a, of a budget, start somewhere. I, I find that oftentimes people just, they don't know what to do, so they don't do anything. And yeah, that's, that's true. That doesn't work. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna try and fail, terrific. Now you know what not to do. Try again. Yeah. Try again. And so once you identify some of those budget needs, and you identify, when I see a budget need, what can you not live without? That to me is what should uh, participate within this emergency fund. Our blue coolers. That's what we can't live without. I'd like to thank our sponsor, <laughs> Blue Coolers, for supplying us with blue coolers to keep our stuff cold there you go and so once you identify that i think it actually does get a little bit more simple however a massive part of this if not the most important part of this most important part of this is your spouse i mean if you have a goal and it's not shared and coupled by your sweetheart right the spouse that you have then quite candidly you're going to be handcuffed a little bit and and that's a definitely a recipe for uh marriage counseling and possible divorce (laughs) is finances i think that's the number one reason why people do tend to get divorced if it's not one it's it's two it's two now oh there you go so it used to be it used to be the number one Well, what's one you've got me yeah Yeah. what's number one social media what yes yes yeah, if we if we can get a therapist back in here, we'll call uh, doc, <laughs> we'll call Josh Silito. So, you know, I served my LDS mission in Costa Rica, and that was a thing. Is we you were given a stipend and you had to live on that stipend for a month, and our mission president's like, listen, this is a life skill that you're building, right? 
And this is something that you need to learn to progress. And what a great lesson that was. And I agree. And they talked about it for a long time that finances, because yeah, it's not a, it's, it's exactly what you said, Lance, where if your spouse, you know, whoever your spouse is or partner or girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever is whoever your life partner is, if they're not on the same physical page as you, it's just like the other four facets of life, right? If your partner is not on the same social or educational or in this came in this case, physical page, you know, there's some, there's some opportunity for the book to rip. And so I thought that was a great statement. Um, so, 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 oh, go ahead. No, I was I'm just going to say is, uh, yeah, the reason why social media is number one is, is the same reason though. It's that same mentality of, of what do I do with that extra money? I have that $10,000 sitting in that account. You know, Adam is, is turning 50 this year. You know what? He, he deserves for us to get him a new car. One of the things... I think in the totality and the reason why I think you, you get frustrated with the Ormans and, and the Ramses is I actually find a lot of their advice is, is spot on. I totally agree. But I do agree. you have to know it's just like anything like you and I are educated about those things so we can see the value in that really clearly. And then other people are like, you know what? This is what the value was. I had I couldn't achieve that or I didn't know how. And so I think there's a run up to that education. I think there's a, a, an understanding and to have those honest conversations. Right. Money is the number one because how like I grew up around money, how my parents treated me around money, how my parents did their finances are completely different from my spouse. Yes. And, and so it, it can be a generational thing too. Like things that we've tried to teach our kids is everyone complains about this generation of entitlement, right? And as parents, like my wife and I have been really strong. We're raising probably more closer to entrepreneurs because guess what? Their dad is an entrepreneur. And so my kids understand the value of money in those ways. Like if you want something, great go to work or job or sell something to make that happen. I'm not gonna, don't, don't look at me. I, I'm gonna buy my own toys. If you want a toy, you can go buy it. You want a new game, you know, you make it happen. I'll give you the opera, I'll help you get the opportunities to make that happen right. as a parent, but I'm not gonna do the work for you. So how do you get your spouse on, or how do you and your spouse or significant other get on the same page. No, let's not talk about your spouse because no, you've been at this yours, for 20 but, years. But, but when you're but, sitting down for a couple, what's some of the key points? Like if you were going to sit down with a couple that isn't close to retirement, like right. let's just take Adam and his wife. Now his wife is super sweet, right? I apologize that you got the, you know, got the lesser of the two right <laughs> off the bat. So she's I think not, we can all say that. I'm just going to oh, just 100%. put that out there right now. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> if I definitely wife, married Lance, up. Definitely. Yeah, Lance, if you met wife, you're like, oh, Eric's really good at sales. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so we're like, give that couple, like, what are like maybe five questions before they meet with you, Lance? What are those five questions that they kind of need to answer before they sit down with you? Well, since this is kind of off the cuff, um, I would preface this actually. What I would what I would suggest to if, if if I saw a couple that had been married five ten years, 
is number one, be sure the communication is on board between the two of them to identify number one, what is their, well, what is their budget? What is, what are their goals? Short term, mid long term, right? Whether that be a car, getting into a home, what kind of retirement do you want to have? Oh, let me ask this question because I think even before you sit down is, and I see this a lot. So for most of the couples that you meet with, right? Do they have, how many checking accounts do they have? Typically one to two. The re- so Adam, the reason why I asked that, how many checking accounts do you and Shelly have? One. We're a one. We're we're a one checking account type of family too, but more and more families get married. His is his, mine is mine. Yeah, I do see that. I do see that. And I even know a lot of older. I see a lot of baby boomers who are especially on second marriages, right. and they're always a little hedging. Yes, I would agree with that. Of I've my, seen that as well. This was mine before, so this is mine at, no matter what. Yeah. I think that to answer that question, and I, I hate to be, again, fairly consistent in my answer, they need to be able to communicate exactly what is important to him, what is important to spouse, so right? can to we, each one of them. I, and I, I don't want to beat a dead horse. That right there, though, is such a tough hurdle, it can to be, be honest with you. Like, I, I meet with a lot of couples, too, and a lot of times I know it's not there. Right. And so I actually have to be the one that has to glue it together. I have to yes. be the I literally have to be the person to, to, to put it together, which I do quite frequently and quite, quite well. But when it comes to this, this right here is just like cracking the ribs open. Oh, very much so. This is this is OK. Let's let, let's see what you really ate. Right. Adam, I know you've been sneaking on what you call it. Two hundred and twenty calories. No, I, I thought it was the root forty four. That's mine. Oh, so sorry. That's mine. So sorry. Oh, it's a Coke Zero. I, I will tell you. Yeah. So I would say I would say yes to this. Um, I will tell you, I usually get into the heart-to-heart discussions when I start talking about, okay, what is your risk tolerance level? Now, what is your risk to- tolerance level? Okay. That's where I see a lot of stuff happening. But I will tell you, getting back to what you were stating as well, um, yep. When it comes to finances, more times than not, I see, it, we're talking about a married couple, right? Um, that the one person has no idea what the other person wants. And they don't share it with anybody. They don't share it with kids. They don't share it with spouses or their spouse. Obviously, that's kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. With parents, with buddies, they don't talk about it because money is not to be spoken about. And that wow. is, that's, that's part of the American culture. That's the culture I grew up in, Yes. right? We don't talk about money. Save. Don't spend if you don't have to. Save. Right. That was how I grew up. And so it was something that you simply did not talk about. And that's a well, there's strengths and, and there are also weaknesses to that thought process as well. Absolutely. So, did well, I answer the question as far as Oh, I could we could go back and forth for forever, Lance. It's been about forty five minutes. Um, You're the one that can go back and forth. Yeah. We're on point. Well, I you know me. I'm just joking, I, Eric. Yeah, I I uh But oh, okay, so here we are. Let's combine it all. I've been wanting to get into this. Let's dive into this one. And um, okay, married couple. Now they just got a money from the government. Okay. Everyone should have gotten it already or going to get in the next couple of days. Don't know what your own situation is. We got ours. Now you got a chunk of money. Now that they, they both know that they got the money in. Okay, so... What's the best thing to do with this stimulus right now? If you don't have an emergency fund, that's it. 
That's a absolutely. So that starts your that there can you start your three Done. month. Do there something. I, I know it's incredibly simple. I'm not trying to be overly no, simple awesome. or, or, or complicated, but if you don't have an emergency fund, the conversation's over. Okay, so where do you want Very them good. to park their money? Checking Should, account. What Ally Bank, online bank. It, it doesn't matter. That's the point. It's not. It's not. It's not the rate of return. Money market. Account? It is liquid. As long as it is entirely liquid, and you could go, you could go to the ATM. Now there are obviously limitations to how much you can take out on a day to day basis. I understand. But the consideration actually would be okay. How much do you literally want to have in hard cash in your home? That is obviously. 100% liquid, and I think there's a strong argument to have a portion there, but also put the rest into a money market. You can do that within Wells, Bank of America, whichever the case may be, and it's liquid. Okay, so back to a question that we mentioned even before the show was what about keeping it all at home? That home banking type of uh, thing. I mean, like, oh, I, no, 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 that wasn't, that's not, that's the, not question. the question. No, yeah, See, that, that's a different episode. That's, that's the knuckle dragger coming out me. Okay, so. You take this whole stimulus, you want to start a savings. You go find yourself a can behind a picture frame. Okay, so we call that mattress money. Even a safe. Is it wise to keep that much at home? I think so. That is a subjective question. Meaning that it's it's between you and your spouse. There are some people, and I know a lot of people that are like this, I need to be able to touch it. That's why I know a lot of people that love the real estate side because there it is. I can touch it, I can feel it, and it will appreciate in value, right? Uh-huh. Um, and we're not going to talk about 2008 or, or even now if, if maybe the values have gone down. That's not that's not my, my field. However, my point is, is that for some people, they want to be able to see it and touch it. Terrific. Cash it out, put it somewhere in your home. Okay. And so I'm not giving you an answer. I'm giving you no, just that's exactly an example of something. Now, for you and your wife, that might be entirely appropriate. Right. Again, go back. If if the emergency fund is the goal, and I know we spend a lot of time on this emergency fund thing. We haven't talked about investing or anything. We will. But um, I, I would go back that identify what the goal is and then, OK, you don't have to do all men. I find and I'm this way uh-huh. tend to be myopic, meaning I see a I'm going to a right. I'm not I'm not going to deviate. I'm not going to go over to the left or to the right. I'm going to go to point A. I don't know that that's always correct. Um, now I've talked to my wife and I've gotten her permission because this is somewhat true. If my wife was seeing that, Hey, I need to get to a, but listen, there are flowers over here and there's something over here on this side. And so they're bopping around all over the place, but they will get to a, and they're usually better at it just because my wife is at least, um, bottom line, blend the two. I think that's a good opportunity. Maybe for you, uh, you you have some of them cash. Maybe some you have into a checking account that you don't touch. Yeah, That's the reason why I have two checking accounts. Okay, so for the people out there that, that say are very good savers and they even got this chunk of money from the government and they're doing very good, is this, is this a good time to look into investments or should they just hold on to their money? Okay. Is this a... I mean, I'm going to hedge this question a little bit. If you're over the age of 60 to 65, I find that a lot of people are very cautious about the market because they think back to 2001. They think back to 1987, 
right? They think back to 2007 and eight, where the market just totally crashed as well. And so they're, what I find is that people are identifying again and going back to their history and identifying that, wow, maybe I was a little bit more aggressive than I really should have been. Because if you think about, we just experienced the longest and the greatest bull run in the history of the market since 1926. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. And so I find that that's something. As, as I'm meeting new clients, I'm getting referred to people and we're, I'm talking to them because their advisor had them way over um, as far as being aggressive in funds. That's an issue. Okay. And so they need to be a little bit, you need, that's part of the reason we kind of went back to this before. Why do you use a professional? The professional is somebody that you can, you don't know what you don't know. And so if you're overly aggressive and yeah, you want really good rates of return, but you're taking on a lot of risk to attain that return, that may not make sense according to what your goal is. If you're trying to retire in five years, you should not be necessarily 80% equities, right? With a lot of risk to your portfolio. So looking at your personal goals, looking at your personal budget, and then mixing in a professional that you can trust that you feel comfortable in talking with. Well said, yes. Easy to communicate, easy access, stuff like that. Then using his advice with the assets that you have, the budget that you have, communication with your wife, and then you can make wise investment choices. I think so. And even then you're going to make mistakes. I mean, you just will, Yeah. right? I mean, and that's going to happen. That's okay. Um, I, I love what Theodore Roosevelt said. He had a quote. It's about the prize goes to the guy that's in the arena. Right, it's the guy that's putting himself out there that's trying. Yes, you're going to fail, you're going to make mistakes, but you're trying, and ultimately yeah. you'll you'll attain. Right? I mean, every I think every single one of us sitting in this room have made massive mistakes. I, I mean, oh, I yeah. have, but we learn and we grow from that. I think that's part of the reason why we're here. And so, I do think that yes, um, you work with a professional. Uh, somebody's probably been around a little bit. I think that's very helpful. At the same time, I will tell you in my own personal experience, that gut feeling that you have when you're talking to somebody is critically important. I've known a lot of guys that can talk a story and I've left the room or I've left the environment and it didn't feel right for whatever reason. And I can't tell you, I think every single one of us has had that kind of an experience. That's especially true when it comes to money, especially true. Be very cognizant of how you feel after you've had that conversation with somebody. With that professional. Yes, that, with that professional. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not trying to black mark anybody. That's not what I'm trying to say. For sure. But I, I, I think there's something there. Yeah. So uh, in, in, in this kind of market, does if we don't get back to work anytime soon, what are some of the long-term effects of these of companies staying closed, people being out of work. The stimulus comes in, it's paid some bills for this month, it's done a few little things, but it's gonna be gone. I mean, we're Americans, like Eric said. We're, I'm, I'm sure all of our Amazon carts are full or empty by now. <laughs> so what's your prediction? What can we look into June, July, August here in Southern Nevada? I, I, I know I'm stretching it. I, I know it's it's total speculation. Yeah, he only it wanted is. to give us till April 22nd, and you've stretched it all the <laughs> way up to August. No, I, I I think for Southern Nevada, this is I think this is going to have a long-reaching effect. I love what you said earlier uh, in, in the fact that people are going to identify, again, going back to 2008, people are going to identify where perhaps there was a little bit more fat to the business than not. 
I, I actually like market corrections because we can identify places where we can improve upon, right? If you think about the electrical or plumbing code, do you know how codes are made? It's when oh, somebody dies. Yeah. And then they identify, hey, that's a weakness within the code. And so they change that code. And that's why with water heaters, you now have straps. Yep. Even though, when was the last time we truly had a big earthquake in Las Vegas? I, I mean... No, it only takes one water. It only takes one screw up. Right. And so I do think this is going to have long reaching effects. I think this is going to cause people to really take a look at their employment and what it is that they're doing and identify how much of a value add am I, am I truly giving? Because that value add is going to correlate to how much income that you're going to derive. Right. And so if the more people that you're helping, uh, Earl Nightingale once said this, the more people you help, typically the better your income is going to be. Because you're helping more people, right? Yeah, you're yeah. you're giving value, and that return in value we, we recognize as money. And so I do think that there's going to be a, a massive reshaping of perhaps on the Southern Nevada side, really what is needed. You know, and, and sometimes people need kind of a shakeup. I have a good friend a, a while ago in 2008, was laid off of his job. He didn't know what he was going to do. Then he just jumped into kind of his own business and just hustled and worked hard and now he's 10 times more successful than he ever was working for someone else. And sometimes, it, well, it's true, but, but sometimes people, even myself, people need that kind of like interruption. Because he told me the other day, I was visiting with him and asked him how things were going, and he was telling me how, you know, how great it is. And then on the flip side, if he wouldn't have gotten laid off, he would have still been working there. Yes. He wouldn't have, have quit. He wouldn't have had the courage to jump out and do it. Sometimes that like push into the swimming pool is what people need to get going. And then all of a sudden they realize their potential. They realize, wow, I can really make it on my own. I don't have to be working for this guy anymore. So there's, once again, that silver lining in this horrible problem we're all facing. So to restate you, so what you're saying is, is a guy had a massive struggle in front of him and he had a choice to make. He could either just hit it. And work and try and try and try yep. or become a gender somewhere. Or yeah. I, that, that minimizes that, that, that employment. But understanding, do a, a comparable work that he was doing before. And as a direct result, he, he through his plumber. struggle, he was a plumber. He was a plumber. That's exactly right. No, he, well, he, he actually sold cars. And now he sells classic cars on his own. And he's done 10 times better than working for. That is just awesome. The, the, the Ford dealership. And, and, but, but it took a moment. It took... Yes. layoffs it took a challenge placed before him to for him to make that one final right. step that there are people kind of like eric that are naturally an entrepreneur that that view things that way that he would actually be a horrible employee he said it himself he he, he could not work in that environment to me i don't know how he gets sleep at night having employees paying them going through that that's that's my mind frame. We're just a little bit different that way, which is fine. I'm I'm good going to work every day. I I know what I'm going to make. You know everything's all sure. set in front of me. But you're a different guy. Yes, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I think there are times within life. I'm not trying to wax eloquent here, where we are forced to be a little humble and identify that we need to try it a little bit more or do something yeah. a little bit different. But how grateful I am for those moments of humility where we identify there are some things that need to be changed. So, you know, and just like you said, sometimes sometimes a, a moment like this, this COVID-19 can shake up your own personal life and be able to do it. I have one question that 
I've been thinking of. Do you see an, do a future type business of pandemic insurance now amongst businesses? With this already happening, do you see that being more kind of like a flood insurance? Do you see businesses now getting into this? You think this could happen again and and people want to prepare for it? I'll answer that in two different ways. No, no. I, I don't I don't think it'll happen. However, knowing the insurance industry, I would be surprised if I didn't see something out there. I disagree. So I've asked You think so? Yeah, I've asked around. There's a lot there's a reason why actually going back to the plumbing code is in the insurance industry. There's a reason why they've actually been through this before. And they specifically on a lot of their insurance policies and contracts purposely leave out. So as soon as the WHO announced that it was a pandemic, there they, they, actually there's already been pandemic or what you want to call, you know, disease insurance out there. And if you actually study it out, there's there's a reason why they didn't because of obviously you know, the losses that they suffered last time. And a lot of businesses thought they were actually covered by their different in insurance policies until you actually start getting down into the details. The insurance companies are very cognizant. And, and as soon as the WHO said pandemic, it actually wiped out a ton of insurance policies that could have been paid out. And so the insurance companies aren't looking uh, it's just, it's just. So they actuarially went back. Oh and yeah, they already that. See, I'm, I'm not surprised at that either. They, they already know the risk factor is way too high. Okay. And so, and you know, going back to you know what Lance is talking about, what we're talking about when you talk about insurance or planning and even the safety fund. At the end of the day, we're talking about risk. And, yes. And, and so, you know, insurance companies are risk managers. Like they do not bet on red. They do not bet on black. Who do they bet on? They bet someone's going to come to the table. They don't care who, which color it comes. They want to see, they'd rather take, they'd rather a little piece of red and a little piece of black than have a full pie. Got it. And so, yeah, they, so no, there's. That's well stated. I would agree with that. It's just something that came to my mind. I, yeah. I could I, I could just see this kind of kind of stuff happening, you know. Like I mean, this is a huge thing. This is across the nation. There's businesses global. closed all over the place, global. This and is global. it's going to be interesting to see which businesses come back. And I won't lie, dude, it kind of breaks the heart. It, it, it kind of hurts to see this many people out of work, and they don't know if they're going to come back. And some of these large corporations are going to use this as an excuse to permanently terminate half of their workforce and realize, hey, we, we can make just as much money on half the workforce, and then it eliminates those kind of jobs. Right. And I think in some scenarios, that can very well very well be. Um, you asked a question that I don't think I answered. You asked, is this a good time to invest? Yes. And so... Going back to that just a little, I want to be sure to answer that one because I know that was one of the things you want to be sure to cover. I think with the market down as it is, it is a great time to invest, provided that you are going with good companies that have good that have good metrics. Um, yes, I think it's a phenomenal time to invest. However, if your goal is within you know to utilize those assets within three to five years, no. Again, go back to what the goal of the asset is. And so hypothetically, if I was 60 years old, 9, 10 to retire at the age of 65, 
I might take a, a, a small portion of my retirement assets and, and shift into some, you know, good performing large cap growth fund or whichever the case may be, Apple, Microsoft, whatever. Um, but with the intention that there's going to be, I, I fully anticipate with everything that I've read, uh, seminars that I've been to in the last three to five weeks, there's still going to be a lot of volatility within the next 12 to 18. That's great. Wonderful. That's good news. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Lance. You know, when it comes to finances, there is so much we can talk about. We can get into all kinds of stuff. I, I even wanted to get into a little bit of taxes. This is tax season. Right. Uh, even though that it has been extended to file your taxes because of the COVID-19, I, I wanted to talk about a little bit of that. But, you know, we'll have to save that for for a different time if you don't mind coming in again. No, that's fine. This has been fun, and it's been a lot of good information. And I, I hope everyone out there is staying safe and and being wise with their money and saving. You got to have, have that, fun, man. Yeah. So we appreciate everyone who supports the podcast, who listens in. Please go to iTunes and hit that subscribe button or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And you can also follow us. Don't forget to hit us up on podbeam.com and uh, check out our podcast there. They're our host. And uh, you can follow us on Podbeam and check out our website there. So, uh, and Lance, I, if you don't mind, I'll put any information on the, on the, on our bio you bet. and, uh, forward that on to any listeners. If they have further questions, please get a hold of Lance, or you can email the podcast at staying in, uh, staying in trouble podcast at gmail.com. And we will definitely forward that on to Lance. If you have other uh, questions or want to get a hold of him. So we appreciate it. And I'm glad you're here, Eric. We were going to remote in. <laughs> I don't know if the, I don't know if the telephone a, lines would, would hold my hold my voice that way. Oh man, well he he has a Utah office, aka the cabin. The cabin. It's a Utah office. It's the Utah office. We might be recorded right now. Watch what you say. <laughs> but anyways, uh, he um, he was going to head up there and decided to cut his trip short. Yeah, be here for you. I'm glad. I'm happy that you're here. Right on. Well, we'll catch you later. All right. So...